This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. You're listening to Live Free Creative, an intentional podcast with practical tips for living your life on purpose. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and I believe in creativity, adventure, curiosity, and the magic of small moments. I hope that every time you listen, you feel empowered and free to live the life that you want. Welcome back to Live Free Creative. I'm happy that you're here. I hope this day finds you well. This is episode number 229 of Live Free Creative Podcast, Writing as Healing. This topic has come up so often in the last few months for me. I wanted to spend some time to just talk it through, not only with you, listener, who I love sharing ideas and thoughts and inspiration with, Also, I figured for this one, I would call in a friend who I consider a writing mentor, one of my favorite creative companions who I've known for a long time and whose work in the world feels meaningful to me. I'm excited to share her with you today. In a few minutes, I'll introduce you to my good friend, Kim Christensen of Talk Wordy to Me and the conversation that we shared around this topic of writing as healing and what that looks like in her life, in my life, and what it could possibly look like in yours. As an appropriate accessory to today's episode, I thought that I would do a segment called Peaks of the Week and share some of my favorite creative writing tools. This is a fun combination list. Uh, Kim actually sent over a list of some of her favorite writing tools, books, and journals as well. So between the two of us, we've compiled a pretty great little set of places to get started, either reading or writing, or reading about writing (laughs) as you explore. So number one that was on both of our lists is the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. This is what feels like a pretty quintessential creativity book by now. It came out I'm going to say about eight years ago. I probably could look it up, but I don't have it in front of me right now. I remember picking it up in the store and sitting in the parking lot, reading it front to back in one sitting, just feeling so validated in some ways, so inspired in others. It's a really beautiful invitation to step into your own creativity. So that is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Another book that 
you may consider that is both a book and a writing practice in itself is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, another book that both Kim and I suggest and recommend. The Artist's Way is a book and it's also a process. It's an again an invitation into a multi-week program of exploring your creativity, of diving into who you are, what is your voice, what do you think of, how do you put things together, and allowing yourself space to just really explore that. The third book we both recommend is called Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. Anne Lamott is such an incredible writer. She's a memoirist. And in this book, she's giving tips for writing, but not in a pragmatic sort of this is how you do it way. It's it's an opening into her process, into thoughts around it, and suggestions for getting to know yourself a little bit better. I always love in Anne Lamott's work the acknowledgement of the messiness of life and of the nonlinear qualities of so many of the experiences that we have. And Bird by Bird is a great exploration of some of that. A recommendation that comes straight from Kim is a book called Writing for Bliss, a seven-step plan for telling your story and transforming your life by Diana Robb. I have not read this book. I'm excited to put it on my list and to dive in. It sounds very practical, and there's something beautiful about the practicality of being able to follow the steps, and especially if you are new to writing or new to creativity and you're feeling a little bit like, I don't, I don't know where to begin, having a seven-step plan sounds pretty great. Kim also recommended the self-love journal by Promptly Journals. I love the self-love journal that they offer. I also want to recommend their gratitude journal. This is the one that I'm currently working through this year with undated prompts about things that you're grateful for, things that you appreciate, and then some note pages in between those prompts to be able to fill out a little bit more. I really love not having the overwhelm of just you know, hundreds of blank pages in front of me, but having a small prompt, a a couple lines where I can just feel like whatever two sentences I have to write down are sufficient for the day. And then to be able to return to it uh, whenever feels right. And the final peak of the week I want to add is a new book that I just found when I was wandering in a bookstore the last month. It's called Healing Through Words by Rupi Kaur. And it is a guided journal with these really beautiful reflections and the illustrations are incredible and it's sort of interspersed with poetry. I found it delightful and a really beautiful, meaningful book that you could even just keep on your bedside table to open you up to writing thoughts, experiences, ideas as you begin or end your days. The links to all of these peaks of the week for creative writing and digging into writing and reading and creativity in general will be in the show notes. That is always at livefreecreative.co slash podcast. You can look for episode 229. You can search on the search bar of the website 229 and this episode will pop up. And also if you're listening in a podcast listening app, write down in the show notes part of the app, there's a link directly to that podcast page. So you can easily access everything that I've shared with you. I hope you enjoy those peaks of the week. Today's show is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I gave AG1 by Athletic Greens a try because I wanted a little bit better energy, coverage for my immune system, and I wanted a supplement that tasted great that I could rely on every single day. 
I had heard a lot about AG1 on other podcasts and thought that I should give it a try, and I've really loved it. I take AG1 in the morning, the powder goes straight into my first cup of water, and I feel like not only am I getting a great boost to my hydration first thing, I'm also filling my cup with the nutrition that it craves, covering all of my nutritional bases. I appreciate that it's just so simple. One scoop of AG1 in a glass of water or even a single serve pack. Sometimes if I'm on the go first thing in the morning, I can toss that into my bag, take it with me, and the first time that I'm mixing up a bottle of water, I can have this great nutritional drink mixed right in. There is something so lovely being a busy woman about having a simple win every single day, and AG1 is that for me. If you are looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you one free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs along with your first purchase as a special gift. So go to athleticgreens.com slash livefree. That's athleticgreens.com slash livefree to check it out and give it a try. I'm excited to introduce you now to my friend and special guest, Kim Christensen. We go back a long time and we share a little bit about how we got to know each other in the beginning of the interview. Kim is a lifelong reader and writer. She shares her best book recommendations and writing encouragement on Instagram at TalkWordy to Me. I will make sure that's linked in the show notes so you can follow along with her there. She's a book reviewer for Good Things Utah and a student in Leslie University's Masters of Creative Writing program. Not only is Kim a writer herself, she has also helped thousands of other people discover the joy of writing. She created 11 journals with Promptly Journals before she and her co-owner sold the company in 2021. She's currently working on her third novel and running an online course called Write for Life Academy. It's an online writing course for kids, and she'll tell you more about that in our interview. Kim lives in Utah with her husband, three kids, and two adorable bunnies that often show up on Instagram. So if you follow her at TalkWordy to me, you will get to know them as well. I'm thrilled to be able to share Kim with you and this conversation today. I hope you enjoy. Kim, I'm so happy to have you here on the podcast. How are you? It's fun to be here. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I am doing great, and I am so excited. I mean, I love talking to you anyway. We've been friends for a long time. And a few weeks ago, I was thinking about upcoming episodes and just things that I wanted to share with this, you know, with my audience and my community and things that felt impactful and practical and meaningful. And I kept circling around the idea of writing. And I think writing has always been a part of my life. I have shared that I, you know, have been a journaler since I was very young. And then I was a blogger for a long time. And of course, I wrote a book. And now I'm back in the thick of it in this graduate program where I feel like I'm doing much more actual sitting at the computer, typing words that need to be like communicating something important than I have in a few years. Like it's been pretty great and intense. And also with that, I feel like a different part of me opening up through the process of really having to formulate thoughts and reflections and ideas into words and communicate like as clearly as possible. It's been pretty transformative and and interesting because it's sort of like through a backdoor perspective that I didn't expect. You know, I'm not studying writing. It just happens to be part of what I'm doing. And I thought, who could I, I mean, I actually didn't think who could I invite. I thought, you know what I need to do. I need to invite Kim to come chat because 
you are who I think of when I think of writing not only from a really talented perspective of I love your creative writing and I've loved uh, you know experiencing you as a writer also because I know that writing is not only creative expression for you that it's also been a tool that you've implemented in lots of different ways so I'm excited to have you here and share some of this with my audience and I just wanted to start with having you introduce yourself a little bit about your background and how writing came to be sort of at the center of who you are. Yeah. So this is what I love to talk to people about. So I'm giddy to be able to dive in, especially with you because you're such a good conversationalist and yeah, we share that love and I guess respect for writing as a tool that can really help us personally, as well as connect us to others. And for me, it started as soon as I can remember. My mom, I was just talking to her today, actually, and she said, you have been writing since as soon as you could hold a pencil in your hand. And she said, you would just stay up late at night in your room. After I put you to bed, you'd have your little light on and you would just be first drawing and then forming words, fake words the best I could. And then finally, when I could read and write, I would just write and write and write. And I was given my first journal. My mom gave me my first journal when she was remarried. So my parents were divorced when I was really little, like three years old. And then when I was five, I got a new stepdad and four step siblings. And I already had five siblings. And so I was, I was opposed to the whole idea. <laughs> You're a little five-year-old saying, mom, I've got better plans for you. Yes. This is not what I ordered. And so I had a really hard time as a highly sensitive person who from a young age just felt everything and deeply, you know, and so she, in her wisdom, gave me this journal, which I still have, and it's, you know, a vintage 80s <laughs> journal. Did it have a lock on it? And like a little tiny didn't. I definitely have some of those. Those are yeah. awesome. <laughs> I love those. Those are the best. My kids have those, and they love them. But this one, I my at first, as I couldn't quite, I would talk faster than I could write. So my mm-hmm. mom would ask me questions and she would write for me. She would just let me talk and she would write for me. And then soon I was able to pick up on it myself. But right away, I recognized this expressive writing as a place where I could fully and safely express myself. And someone would listen. First, my mom And then I just, even just when it was me and my journal, I felt witnessed in a way that was really important for me at such a transitional time in my little life. And that process has stayed with me since, you know, and I've just always expressed myself that way. I feel like it's part of my body, you know, and it's just, when I went into second grade, I had a teacher who really called out, um, what she called a gift for creative writing in me, which I don't know if it was much different from other kids, but the fact that she called it out in me and encouraged it is what has stayed with me since. So since second grade, when she said, you're an amazing writer, you have a gift. Even when I left second grade and moved on, she gave me a notebook and said, keep writing stories and bring them to me and I'll read them. What a wonderful teacher, right? Yeah, what a fantastic mentor. Yeah, so from that really impressionable age, I gained 
this seed of confidence in myself as a writer and that there was value to my voice as expressed through my writing. And so I really, I credit her and my mom for giving me that gift and showing me the way. And ever since then, it's just been a huge part of my life. That's so interesting. I, one thing that you said that really stood out to me, you used the word witness, that writing became a place where you felt there was a witness of you and your experience. And I think this is in particular touching a vein for me because I am, in addition to doing so much writing, I've also been doing a lot of reading and I'm continually struck by whose voices I'm introduced to, like who are the authorities in the field and, and in history. And um, there's a lot of political things that play into this that are a little bit interesting as well that I in particular feel like, gosh, why is every authority in every field seem to be a man? (laughs) And I keep trying to dig for like, where are the historic women in my field? What were they saying? And when you, when I find one, it feels like I found a little hidden treasure that someone was, that they wrote down these words. And I think of that, you know, of course, like spiritually, that's significant for me too, that And we've talked about this as friends, just like, gosh, where are the women in the scriptures? Where are the women in, you know, historical civilization documents? Where are the women philosophers? Where are the women's voices? And writing is a place that you can hear your own voice, that you can be witnessed. And I think a lot of us at times go through seasons where we feel like, does anything that I do even matter? Because it feels like sometimes acting into the void, you know, day after day after day of mundane tasks and caregiving and and loving and like feeling like it's meaningful, but also like for for what? And that word witness just felt really impactful for me. So how did you go on and bridge from being a young writer and sort of called out and recognized as someone with a, a talent for creative writing and a passion for it in elementary school to becoming a writing professional and eventually owning a company involved with writing and then now going on and studying creative writing years and years later. What does what, what the in-between stage look like? Yeah, so in, in high school, so I went to high school in Australia and over there they had extension English or English extension, they called it. And it's basically the equivalent of AP English. And, and I got into that class because I knew it was where, you know, a place where I could shine and math was not. <laughs> so I will I was, choose that class. Yes. I was the girl who got A's, A pluses, teacher's pet, extra credit in English, and then D's, sometimes F's, often C's in math. <laughs> That's so, okay. <laughs> how it was. But so I did that in, in high school. And then in college, I chose English as my degree. And while I was there, I also was interested in broadcast journalism and print journalism. So I worked as um, a print journalist and broadcast journalist on campus. And then once I graduated, I worked at a publishing company and then as associate editor at a magazine, which was still I call my dream job just because 
it was so fun to do lifestyle articles. It's- yeah, I was going to say that feels like a sitcom job to me in the yeah. best way. You know, like you can oh, see totally. yourself, like the music playing in the background as you get ready to like walk to the office. Oh my gosh. It's funny you say that because they literally filmed a Hallmark movie, a, not exactly Hallmark, but that vein of movie yes. at the office. And I got to be in it as an extra. And I was like, oh yeah, it's like the perfect little, you know, a magazine editor job. And I love here we it. are. So yeah. So fun. Dream job. And then once I started having babies, it was nice that I had this writing career kind of kickstarted because I could still do it from home. And I was a freelance writer for newspapers and magazines and websites. And, and then, you know, blogging came along and I, I started a blog with everyone else and, and wrote that way. And then, um, yeah, and then I started, I was freelancing and then I wanted to share more of my own opinion pieces. And so I, that's why I created my blog. And my website, Talk Wordy to Me, is so that I could go off on whatever tangent I wanted to and not just my assigned news stories or, or whatever. And I could kind of remove some of those filters and just share what I wanted to share. So that that landed me there. And then a friend reached out, a former roommate, to talk to me about a, an idea she had. And I was feeling like my life was full at the time and was ready to say no to whatever she was going to thank offer. You, no, thank you. Yeah. I was ready to do that. But then she said, Hey, I've been writing in a notebook back and forth, like journaling with my little daughter, her five-year-old at the time. And she said, it's been miraculous. The things that my daughter has opened up about through writing that she never would have opened up about verbally. And she's like, I want to make it into a product, into a journal. And then I was like, yep, I'm in. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we created Loom Journals, a parent-child journal on Kickstarter, um, Kim and I, and then our friend Tasha. And then uh, that went really well and was successful. And so then my husband and I kind of took the company and ran with it for a year um, and created a couple's journal. And then we were, I was acqui-hired by Promptly Journals. I connected with this local company, Promptly, and Jane, the CEO of that, we had a lot in common and we were in a similar space. And so we thought, let's just join forces and work together. So we merged our companies and we recently, um, about a year ago, sold the company. But that was a really incredible venture to be able to do what I love and I'm authentically passionate about, you know, journaling and making it more accessible for people. To be able to do that as my job was really really fulfilling and absolutely challenging in a lot of ways too. But uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm happy I was able to have that experience. It's probably an interesting echo of, you know, having your friend call and say, I have a five-year-old who I've been journaling with and it's really opened up our relationship. Did that just feel like a deja vu of you as little five-year-old Kim and your mom sitting down with you and, and helping you use this tool of writing to open up about the experiences that you were going through? Yeah, definitely. And when you put it that way, I don't know if I like fully connected all those dots at the time, but now thinking about it, absolutely it, it did. And it, it reconnected with something in me and something that I wanted to share with other people. And I, I want every little five-year-old to be able to have that gift of recognizing the power and value of their voice for sure. So you have writing as part of you as a passion and something that you that feels like an innate skill and interest. And then there's this other 
really utilitarian piece of it, writing as a tool towards an end that isn't writing itself. So I think of creative writing often as something that we're doing for the process, that it opens up your mind and you're connecting new things. And and the story often, when you start, especially feels secondary to the process of being creative. How do you think that they're different or do, do they feel like different things to you, creative writing and sort of uh, maybe process writing versus using writing specifically to call out, I want to build connection with my partner or with my child? And do they look differently? How are those applied differently? Yes, great question. I do think of it as separate entities in some ways. So I I do label um, the partner journaling, the personal writing, journaling. I call that journaling. If it's for yourself, if it's not for an audience, I call it journaling. Even if it's just with a spouse or partner or um, child, I call all of that journaling. If it's not, if the goal isn't to publish it or have someone else see it who you're not writing with, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So I call all of that like self-expression, writing, journaling. And then, but it is interesting because the line does start to blur, especially for me right now. I'm getting my master's in creative writing and I'm writing my third novel. And this novel has more of me in it than anything I've written before. And it's terrifying and exhausting mm-hmm. <laughs> and exciting. But it does, I'm also taking a personal essay class, which is, you know, true stories about myself. Right. And so it's so interesting. I literally have been copying and pasting segments of my personal 100% true essays into my fiction. Don't tell anyone. I'm like, we're here telling everyone, but yeah. Just don't, like, hi- don't bold them. Don't highlight them. <laughs> As the, this part's true. It's about me. Right. You'll never know. You'll never know which parts are copied and pasted if it gets published. But yeah, so it's, the line is definitely blurring for me between that creative work and that personal like journaling work. And they definitely lend to each other because for me, I started noticing even more the power and medicine of writing as I read both fiction and nonfiction. I noticed this is therapeutic for me to be reading about these experiences. And I know it is for the author. Like you put yourselves in their shoes and you know, like whether it's fiction, you know, sometimes especially fiction, you're able to go deeper because there's less blocks and you have more freedom. And so I've I've, you know, just looked at the ways that authors put themselves into their writing in that way. So yeah, they're distinct, but they're definitely blended too. Yeah. It's interesting noting that I often think of nonfiction as sort of scientific, but that's not always, you know, like nonfiction is, spans the spectrum of like memoir, which is journaling for an audience to research to like textbooks, you know, versus fiction where you're harnessing the power of story and relating to everyday experiences, you know, often, or even if not the experiences, because, you know, for example, in like sci-fi, these are things that are entirely coming from someone's imagination. And yet the stories touch on human emotion and human experience in a way that we're able to open up to and learn things through fiction in a way that sometimes we can't connect to with nonfiction. 
I'm in the middle of a, a section at, at school on empathy, theory of mind, uh, and social norms. And the idea of like, how do we learn and expand our viewpoints to encompass understanding and sometimes even feeling and stepping into the shoes of other people. And so much of the research revolves around being exposed to stories, especially fiction, because your guard is down. You're not feeling like you're reading something that someone is trying to teach you something. It's sort of like the back door into learning and understanding that someone has written about the human experience without trying to like shove it down your throat. And so you are surprised by the way your heart and mind opens to that. Yes. How do you feel about, yeah, what, I mean, you're in the middle of this process right now, writing fiction, but with truth and stories that have changed you and that, you know, I think the hope is that they become relatable and integrated into the reader's lives at some point as well. What is that process like? Imagining how you want someone to feel based on how you feel, or do you even go there? Do you just think this is what this means to me and whoever reads it will receive it however it fits best for their life? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of both. And I, what I've learned, um, you know, writing a couple books before and getting feedback and working on those and, and now working with a mentor who, who writes both memoir and fiction, that's been really helpful for me to have her guide me because of those things that you said and how, how I can approach this. Um, what I've noticed about the process so far in writing this novel is I am in some ways trying less hard. It's less contrived because it's true. It's closer to the truth and I'm capturing truer emotion And while it feels very specific to me in a lot of ways, and I've had moments where I'm like, is there, are people going to resonate with this? It's so deep for me, you know, (laughs) but I, I do think that when we tap into those authentic emotions and experiences, it's, it's kind of paradoxical because those are the ones that people resonate with the most. Because like you said, talking about fiction and nonfiction, I think when we, in fiction, if we, you know, fully take ourselves out of it and just try to write and and hit these certain plot points or these requirements of a romance novel, for example, which is the process of the last novel I wrote was like, okay, I'm now going to try to write for the market. I'm going to hit all the checkpoints of what that kind of novel entails and requires. And that works and sells in some ways but it didn't feel quite as authentic to me um, as I wanted it to. And so I think it can be done, but at the end of the day, I write to connect and I want to connect with people and I want to connect with myself and I want it to feel brave and real and, and deeper than just, I mean, I, I love a good Hallmark movie, but deeper than that, you know? Right. And so that's, that's all I'm trying to do here is just trying to be really honest and and see where it takes me and see where it takes readers, you know, and so far, so good. So far, the, the, um, 
it's good to hear the feedback from my professor on the parts where I'm like, I don't know how this will land, but it's true. I mean, this is how I feel or how I felt or my friend who I'm basing part of my story on, this is how she felt. And, and those parts are seem to be more or less landing. And so it's, it's a different experience, but it's, it's been good. And I, I love that you mentioned, um, the way that we can better connect with people through fiction and to broaden our, um, range of empathy because there, there's an article that I love from the New Yorker called can reading make you happier. And in the article, the author talks about how fiction does statistically drive more empathy than nonfiction for the reasons you talked about. So fiction really is an empathy machine. And so when people tell me they only read nonfiction because they believe fiction is too much of an indulgence or a waste of time, I'm like, no, you're missing the point. <laughs> you're missing the point. And also Einstein said, if you want your children to be intelligent, read them fairy tales, right? Like it's, there's something about, um, about fiction that allows us to be honest. I'm going to take just a second for another sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Care Of. Care Of is a subscription service that ships high-quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders to your door every month. Everyone is different, especially when it comes to your health needs and goals. And Care Of is so unique in this way. They don't only give you a one-size-fits-all approach. You take a short, in-depth quiz about your own lifestyle your personalized health goals and needs, and then you get a doctor-backed recommendation for your personal lifestyle, taking all of the guesswork out of what supplements are best suited for you. I started using Care Of about a month and a half ago, and I'm a little bit obsessed. Not only are the products incredible, also, they're so cute. There's something really sweet about that boost every morning when I see the Hi Miranda on the front of my Care Of packet, along with a fun fact or a little bit of inspiration for the day. In addition to my darling daily vitamin and supplement packet, I have some extra add-ons. I love their collagen powder that I can use as needed, and also an extra little supplement of focus. So when I need to tune in to homework or work, I can use those for a personalized boost. For 50% off of your first order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code LIVEFREE50. That's TakeCareOf.com. Enter code LIVEFREE50 for 50% off of your first order. Now let's jump back into the interview with Kim. You know, writing for reading and writing for readers falls in that category of sort of more professional, creative writing. I want this to be out there. And like you mentioned too, I think it's so interesting having written a lot of different ways, written articles, written books, wondering what the reader wants versus like now it sounds like exploring what do I need to tell regardless of how it lands. That feels more honest. What about writing like reading can benefit us and reading fiction definitely benefits. I love, I love it. I love reading all the things actually. Uh, how does writing benefit us if we're not planning on being writers? If we want to feel a little bit better or explore the power of this tool that, I mean, I did a very quick Google scholar search. I just wrote in writing mental health women. Those were my search terms and 3.2 million articles came up. That was my search results. I didn't obviously scan through all of them, but there is a very clear scientific foundational empirical connection between writing and health and 
particularly mental health, and specifically in women, which is what I narrowed my search to. Can you explain some of that to us? What is your experience with that, with using writing as a tool intentionally to increase our well-being and to benefit us, benefit our, our physical and mental health? Yeah, there's so much. So, and for me, you know, my mom was the woman who first showed me the way with that, not just by handing me a journal, but by journaling herself. She, she has tons of journals. She recently turned her journals into a book. She compiled them just for our family. And I read those, you know, just a couple of years ago and just bawling through the whole thing because I was able to go back in time to when she was my age as a mother, as a young mom, and, and to read about her experiences and connect with her now in a deeper way than I ever could have if I wasn't able to read and hear her voice from that time. And she went through some hard things. She went through um, her first child dying of leukemia when she was five, when he was five, my brother, and then a really difficult divorce around the same time. And, um, you know, getting married and then having a bunch of stepkids and, you know, so, and another marriage facing a new marriage and, and so much, she's been through so much and wrote about it and wrote poems and wrote, and she didn't, she never published anything. It's just for us. It was for her primarily, right? We Thankfully, she allowed us to read some of ex- excerpts. But that process, I know, was so healing for her. And it's why she part of why she's a healthy, functioning adult today, because she didn't silence her voice around it. And some of the research I've been doing lately has been so exciting and interesting. It's by James Pennebaker. He's um, a psychologist who is is kind of the founder of the term he calls expressive writing. And it's they've done a lot of studies around it. Specifically, it's writing for 15 to 20 minutes a day about something upsetting for three to four days. And in these studies, they have found that the people who wrote about something hard versus the control group who wrote about something superficial those people who delved into, you know, confessing their trauma and and hard experiences, they recorded way less, uh, um, less than half as many visits to the health center as those who just wrote about superficial things. And then later in subsequent studies, they found that they had a higher immune system, higher immune function. They did this through blood draws and all these tests. And those benefits lasted up to six months or not even up to about, that was the average, about six months. um, These these participants benefited in those ways from that, you know, less than a week of writing sessions. And there's a lot of, it is. And there's a lot of science about secret keeping. If you're keeping difficult secrets to yourself, um, what that can do to your heart health, your immune system, multiple systems within the body, obviously your mental health as well, but on a physical level as well. And it's so cool. So cool. Yeah. Have you read, I haven't yet. It's on my shelf, <laughs> but I've heard a lot about the body keeps the score. Have you read that? Someone, I think I hear about it like twice a week. <laughs> yes. Okay. So let's, let's do a book club. You and I will read it sometime in the next couple of months. Okay. I keep hearing about it. So I feel like I kind of like get it. Like I, I understand the arc without having read all the details, 
I think the underlying principle of that is that, like you're saying, difficulties, traumas, secrets, hard obstacles, challenges, stress, those things live in us, in our physical bodies on a cellular level until we feel and release them. And I was recently reading a study about the word trauma and how it's becoming, we're using it very, uh, very easily. Loosely. Even yeah. though, yeah, we're, we're using it loosely. People aren't being precise with their words. Trauma doesn't refer to the event. Trauma refers to the way that your body internalizes the event mm. and the way that it stays in your body until it's processed. I've had a lot of conversations with my husband, Dave, about the way that my, in particular, my own biological family, my sisters, my brothers, my parents, have experienced very similar life events in very different ways. And part of, I guess I feel like I've been a little bit mystified by how my, many of the hard things that our family has experienced, I don't feel as quote unquote traumatized by as other members of my family who went through the same thing. And the only thing that I can come back to is I wrote about everything that was happening to me as it was happening for my whole life. Journaling was a place outside of my head and body that my experiences could live, that I could process them. And I didn't ever think of it as that. I didn't ever think, oh, I'm processing my emotions. But when I would, I mean, I kind of chuckle thinking of your mom printing her journals because I remember as I was writing things down in like fourth and fifth grade, I'm going to have to come back with a Sharpie before anyone reads this because I'm like <laughs> using swear words and like things that I'm not supposed to say. Yeah. Like I was expressing a lot of emotions that I probably would have felt guilty expressing. I mean, I never would have said these things to my parents or to friends or like it, it, I felt like those emotions were not okay to feel and yet I could put them down on the page and like leave them there. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, I, I don't think I recognized at the time, the way that I do now, how having a practice of writing allowed me to process in real time, hard things happening in my life so that I didn't carry them with me for the rest of my life. Exactly. And what a gift, what a gift I'm, to have been able to do that. I'm so glad that you were, you had that self-awareness or even without recognizing fully, you allowed yourself to swear in your journal and say things in your journal that you didn't want to tell certain people. I, and that's the first tip I give to people when they want to start journaling. A lot of people have expressed when I've taught classes or things like that, they're scared to write these things down because they're scared of what will come out and they don't want to relive painful experiences. They want to move away from them. They don't want to focus on them and write them down. And they're scared of who will read it. But just like you said, we, if we don't address it, then it stays with us. So when we think we're sucking it up and, and moving on and handling something well by ignoring it, we're just suppressing it. <laughs> and just you're tuck not it, tuck on. it into your cells and feel it for the rest of your life. Exactly. It manifests. There's this whole study of... Um, psychosomatics and the way that the mind and the body are connected. It's no longer like a woo-woo thing. You know, it's right, a right. recognized scientific thing. And so, yeah, we're carrying those things with us as this constant hum of stress in our bodies. But by addressing it, by writing about it, 
we put those experiences into words and by putting them into words, our minds can understand them, make some level of sense about them, and we're actually able to move on. So when, and, and sometimes when you write about those things, like I just want people to recognize it's not going to feel amazing necessarily as you're writing about the hard things. That's not supposed to feel good necessarily. Sometimes getting something off your chest can, but I just, I've experienced this myself. And I know in these studies with Dr. Pennebaker, people didn't feel good while writing. They felt worse or almost that feeling of after watching a sad movie, that's Mm -hmm. how they felt. But then the benefits started coming. They're a little bit delayed, but as you continue to get out those experiences that are traumatic in the way you so beautifully articulated, not just because they're typically traumatic, like we would label trauma. What's something that's traumatic? What's something that isn't? It's more of how you perceived it in your individual mind and body. How did you perceive it and make sense of it or not make sense of it? How did it affect you? But as we write about those, um, it does cleanse your body and mind of it and allows you to move on. Yeah. On such a very like light level, I know with often with my coaching clients, when they're becoming overwhelmed or confused is an emotion that people will express a lot when there's, you know, many different choices or a lot going on. And one of the things we'll do is is write a list, even just write, like not even in journal format, but let's just write down all of the different things that are coming to mind. And even if they're totally disparate things, like something from school, something from work, something from your sister's birthday that you're thinking about, something that your child said, like write it all down. And even just that, oh, you feel so much better because you're not having to maintain, like keep all the tabs open. You're putting it somewhere so that you can then allow your brain to work on other things or choose one thing to work on for a little while or to think about to free up space for the the processing. Our brain, I don't think, is meant to be used full-time as storage. It's meant to be used as processing and innovation and creativity. And so there's got to be somewhere else that those things are put down. And writing is a really practical place to do that. I'm sure that there's some people listening who are like, yes, I I am drinking the Kool-Aid. I've been writing a long time too. I'm a journaler. I'm a writer. I understand. Yes, yes, yes. What about people who are listening and thinking, okay, yeah, like maybe, but also I don't have the time. I've never written before. No one ever told me that I was good at writing. In fact, I don't feel very confident at all in my abilities. Where would you invite someone to to begin if this is something that they haven't done ever or haven't done in a very long time and feel a little bit uh, unsure? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I would first say, let go of preconceived notions of what journaling has to look like. And it doesn't have to look a certain way. Just like you said, it can be a list. It's not, you're not writing a novel here. You're not trying to please an English teacher. You can let go of grammar. You can let go of what your handwriting looks like um, or the possibility of someone reading it someday. Think of it as an exercise just for you. You're your own audience. Um, That really sets the stage for getting the best bang out of your buck when it comes to writing. And a lot of people do love free writing. And that's how, that's how I am. I love to just, I don't want anyone to tell me what to write. I just want to write and fill a page. Even if I'm writing 
I don't know what I'm going to write. Or if you write down, like, I don't know how I feel today. If it's total chaos, all the better. Because like you said, you're getting it out of your mind and onto paper and you're able to go somewhere from there. Um, so I just, I just say to start and find a dedicated journal or notebook. It doesn't need to be fancy. Um, I think that you will get more benefits from handwriting, even if that's only once a week that you put pen to paper. If, if that's a stopping point for you and you just need to type, that's absolutely fine. You're going to get, you're going to get these benefits anyway. There is just something I love about the, um, brain body connection that happens when you write, because there's something, and I can get nerdy about it, but there's something that happens in your brain. This is, I'll just read a quick quote from Maude Purcell. She's a psychotherapist and journaling expert. And she says that just as breathing exercises help integrate the body and mind, writing is kind of a psychoneural muscular activity that helps bridge and integrate the conscious and subconscious minds. It distills, crystallizes, and clarifies thoughts and helps break the whole into parts. While your left brain is occupied uh, by writing, that's, that's your left brain, your writing, your right brain, your creative side, is free to do what it does best, to create, intuit, and feel. So that's why I kind of preach the writing by hand, if you can, because you're you're using that hand to write down and and then you're able to free up space in your mind. But however you need to do it, just commit to write. I generally recommend if you're starting for the first time or getting back into it to write, to put pen to paper every day. And even if it's for three minutes, set a timer if you want to, watch the clock, whatever, but three minutes or don't even set a timer, just put pen to paper. If you write a sentence, awesome. If you write a list of five things you're grateful for or whatnot, five things that are just in your brain, that's great too. If you're just free writing and writing chaos, that's that's awesome too. But just putting pen to paper every day takes out the guesswork of do I today or don't I today or do I have time or don't I? You just do it to get into the habit and it doesn't need to be a big ask, you know, and putting, putting that journal or your computer open to a journaling document, putting it somewhere where you'll see it every day, just to get your mind trained into doing that can be really helpful. Um, and yeah, you can free write, but if that's really daunting, there's so many prompts out there, you know, there's hundreds of prompted journals. There are prompts you can Google online I'll share some prompts as well if that's helpful to have a prompt to get started. But I really think the key, as with anything, is get out of your head and get on paper. And yeah. Start. yeah, absolutely. I think that it's important to like reiterate that writing will make you feel better one way or another, like whether it's through processing, whether it's through witnessing, whether it's through, um, you know, accessing emotion that you can't access another way. Uh, I know that you shared about that study about writing about hard things and how that for six months makes people feel better. Like that's mm -hmm. wild. Mm -hmm. I've read similar studies, of course, because my the field I'm studying is positive psychology about writing about good things happening to you in your life. Or even there's a really like it's called a, a gold standard empirical study. It was a double blind placebo controlled study where people are writing down their vision for their best possible future. 
this is just a creative writing exercise. You know, it's not so much journaling because it's not about something that's happened to you so much as like, I don't know, you would classify it as journaling, right? It's for you, but it's a, it's like a projection of what is your best possible future that you can imagine and allowing yourself to just go there and write about it for 15 minutes. The effects on people's well-being, increase in positive emotion, decrease in anxiety and depression over a six-month period it's like this little tiny secret almost that like you want to feel a little bit better and stop feeling so sort of bound up or held down. Just spend a few minutes writing and you can write about things that are hard or you can write about things that sound delightful and lovely. And either way, you're going to see benefits from putting that pen to paper. I think I'm fall more on the prompted side that I'm like, okay, I there's too many choices. There's too many things I wouldn't know where to begin what are some of your favorite prompts if we were going to give people just a handful of prompts to try out? And I want to invite you listeners to choose one of these and make some space today. You have three minutes, even if you need to pause the episode for a little bit and just like spend three minutes with the timer on and then come back to it. Try this out and see how it feels in your life. Yes. Okay. So that's the perfect seg into this first prompt I love. It is writing about something good. And I'm, I know you've studied Sean Acor and, um, and his work. And he, he talks about the doubler, which is when you write about something, a meaningful experience you've had in the past 24 hours, it can be something so tiny and simple. Like I read a book with my child or, you know, I watched the sunrise, something really simple, uh, but meaningful to you. You can do it in bullet points or you can free write it. It doesn't matter. But just write down as many details as you can remember. Even if there's not a lot there, you can even say, I remember the sun was shining or I remember, you know, the chair, the texture of the chair. It can be all these simple grounding things, but write down details and your brain doesn't differentiate between visual and actual experience. So you get to relive all the positive emotions of that experience again. That's why it's called the doubler. And Sean Acourt did this with the National MS Society and research from the University of Texas found that if you have a chronic neuromuscular disease, chronic fatigue and pain, and you do this for six weeks in a row, six months later, something about that six months, you can it's drop like a, It's a typical measurement. I think that they're like, okay, what, what happens in six months? <laughs> yeah, it's a scientific measurement. There you go. You can drop your... These patients dropped their pain medication by 50%, which wow. is really significant. So, yeah. so anyway, so that's the prompt. Just write about for two minutes, write about a meaning experience you've had in the past 24 hours. Um, that's prompt number one, I would suggest. I love that prompt. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And then the second one is going back to, you know, opening up about some harder things that you faced. Write about a concern you're facing right now and the feelings it brings up for you. So spend time doing that. And then as a second piece to the prompt, write reassurance to yourself as you would to a good friend or child. So good. Yeah. Talk about tapping into multiple sides of yourself as well. I feel like that one becomes a, an exercise in awareness of your own intuition and trusting yourself. Yeah. And so the beautiful. resources that are in you to help you and just kind of takes, gives you that bird's eye view of like, what would I say to someone going through this? Yeah. So that one's a good one. And then the third one I would recommend is what are some things you're looking forward to? So we're kind of jumping into past, present, future, right? 
Um, I love to think of journal prompts that way, where we kind of dive into the past and we focus on the present, but then also look ahead. And I know you and I have talked about how much we love having a trip or something fun to look forward to and the joy that it brings us to have that on the calendar. I think you've even done a podcast about this where you mention it, but it infuses so much joy and hope into our lives right now when we have something to look forward to, whether it's a trip or a date or some time with friends or like movie night in your pajamas or time alone, anything simple or big that brings joy that you have planned ahead of you. Um, And for me, especially in like darker winter months, it's important to have those touch points, those anchors to look forward to. And it's kind of like the doubler exercise we talked about. This is a doubler in the reverse way where you get to live it before you do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I love that one. I love just whether it's a list or just free writing all about the details of this upcoming experience. Absolutely. Thank you. Those are great prompts. I, of course, the show transcripts are always in the show notes. So you can go find those specific prompts in the show notes. I'll probably put them into like a little slide or something on Instagram as well so that they're easy to access and you can check back in with them. Um, Those are really great. And just to wrap up, I know that you have a few different ways that people can connect with you. And particularly, you had a really exciting course that you put out earlier this year to help kids engage in writing. So I think that there can be a doubler where mom and kids get a little bit of help with starting on this journey if if they have that interest or desire to. How do people connect more with you and benefit from the work that you're doing uh, moving forward? Yeah. So I am on Instagram as TalkWordy to me and my website is TalkingWordy.com. And this course you're talking about is Write for Life. And I launched that earlier this year as an umbrella company sort of for a lot of things I want to do. And the one I'm doing right now is working with kids. uh, but, But the sweet spot is between seven and 12 years old kids who are interested in writing and have a spark for creative writing and need someone to help nurture that. And I'm, I'm kind of, I was that kid. I was, I needed that nurturing and mentorship. And so I love being that for other kids. And it's been so fun to read the imaginative things these kids come up with. And I provide lessons and prompts and, and they're, it's a video course. So it's pre-recorded. And so they get these these courses, these video courses with prompts, writing prompts that they do every time and fun work, which is a happy name for homework that they do, (laughs) writing homework. And then um, I also, the way that I engage with them in real time is that they send me their writing when I prompt them to, and, and I give them feedback. And they're also able to see each other's writing in Google Classroom. So as peers to, to cheer each other on. And it really is a cool atmosphere and place for these kids to uh, just really thrive in their creative writing and their confidence in writing. Yeah, that's really cool. And I can imagine as a parent of a child who's interested and engaged that you get to follow along with that process and engage with them at home as they're going through the Write for Life course and, and you can, you know, kind of experience alongside them the things that they're learning and cheer them on as well. Yeah, That's really definitely. Great. I also love to share book recommendations there. And there's a million that I would share specifically to this episode that maybe I'll send you. You can plop a yeah, few in a the show notes the or show something. Notes. Yeah, yeah, because there's so many women, like you said, who have written memoir and this essentially journaling, but for an audience 
that you can learn from to help kickstart your own stories and, and writing. So I'll share those with you as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. I also, I'll gather together from Kim and have some of my own, some resources for, you know, some of the prompted journals that we've talked about. Of course, Kim's uh, former company is still producing really incredible, um, connective, prompted journals. Um, I have some other friends that have different types of journals that I can link for you. And then um, a couple other friends that do writing courses for adults as well that you can tap into that I've participated in and found a lot of value in sort of being guided along that process, which um, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm like, oh, someone hold my hand and take me along the process um, and helps keep me accountable as well. So we'll make sure that all of those resources are available. And uh, I think that my hope and my hope in sharing this episode was just to help you uh, maybe pull back the curtain a little bit on the benefits of writing and how it might become practical and applicable in your life, regardless of the stage or season of your life that you're in. Kim, what final sort of encouragements or tips or ideas would you like to share with people before we wrap up today? Yeah, I just, I want people to recognize that journaling and writing, it doesn't have to be hard. And it's not just for the quote unquote writers. The best, highest benefits you can get from writing are available to everyone. And what a quick, easy, free way to add more happiness and healing to your life. So I hope that you are able to just, like Miranda said, pick one of those prompts and start and just notice how you feel as you keep at it. And I think it will be really transformative for you. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I love chatting with you always and was so happy to share you today with my friends and listeners. And uh, I'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you so much, Miranda. That was so fun. So are you feeling inspired to pull out a pencil or pen, a piece of paper, and to get some of those thoughts out of your head? Come up with some new ideas or simply let go of some of the stories that may be buzzing around in there. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and that it feels meaningful to you to think about your life in terms of its story and the power that it can have to write that story, to process it, to get it out of your head where you can't see it onto the page where you may be able to look at it and consider it and reflect on it and maybe even start to make little adjustments so that you're living into the life that you want to lead. I know that there's so many different ways that you can spend your time and so many different podcasts and books and movies and conversations that are vying for your attention. And I want you to know that I appreciate the time you spend here and it means a lot to me. Not only that, but that I consider it as I'm creating this show. I want this to be a place that you feel has value for you that you can think about these things, maybe conversations that don't come up in your everyday life in the way that you might like, or that it just invites you to consider a new perspective. My goal here at Live Free Creative is to help you live a little bit more aligned with your purpose, to feel like you can live a life filled with adventure and creativity and intention. So thank you for spending this moment with Kim and me today. All of Kim's information is in the show notes, so you can find her Instagram account to follow along. You can find her website. You can learn more about her course, her Write for Life course for kids. 
And my final invitation to you today is to just spend a few minutes writing. Anything. Whatever comes to mind. Take pen to page and see what happens. I hope you have a beautiful week. Sending good energy your way. I'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.